Welcome to the Communion Podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Erin. And I'm Ramonita. Communion is all about relationships over religion. Relationship with Christ, with ourselves, and with one another. And in a culture that seems so divisive, we're cultivating a community of truth seekers from all walks of life. So whether you have faith, no faith, or have walked away from the church, you are welcome here. We're ready to understand, heal, have tough conversations, and rebuild bridges. So let's get started. Let the reconciliation begin. It's better when we get together. Everything is better. Everybody knows I can't sing. You're the singer. <laughs> but every time our intro music just gets to you, like, sun, sun, sun. Hey. <laughs> I think. Wow. That one intro to a podcast. TT's lovely vocals. Just and listen. Robert Seamless. <laughs> My one friend always jokes and says that the Bible says make a cheerful or joyful noise to the Lord, not a good one. Yeah, it's cheerful, it's joyful. God delights in that. He didn't say it was. It had to be a good one, and it could be music to his ears. God, like, that's good. Hey, I might be in the heavenly choir someday. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I know, it's been a few weeks since we recorded, which to you guys listening, it's the next week. That you're best. But yeah, it's good to see you. It's good to be with you again. We have some tough stuff and great stuff and maybe even controversial stuff to talk about today. Yeah. Yeah. You want to just dive in? This one will be a long one. And I know we could talk about it for a while because it's something that been on our hearts. Um, But we really just want to talk about the church today. There was a video clip that sparked a lot of conversation amongst us and I think it's worth us talking with our community about it because we are pursuing if you want to call this ministry I'm not exactly sure that we've labeled this yet but we know that it's pursuing Christ and traditionally the church has been where people have gone to pursue Christ or a relationship or a community with Christ. And so it goes without saying, we have to address some things that have happened in the church recently or are happening currently that may be the reason why the Christian faith feels like it's dying at times or feels like a lot of people are walking away. Christians? Sounds like a bad word. And sometimes I'm even scared to tell somebody I'm a Christian because of what the assumption is when I say that. And so I think we should play the clip and then dive right into it. Okay, I'm going to go around and play the clip. This is our first time doing introducing a clip. So it's going to be a little bit of interesting. I'm just going to 
say the background of this clip, Eva, as though like we both heard this clip simultaneously and sent it to one another. And it is what's inspired this conversation today. All right, let's talk about it. I watched the Hillsong documentary. And I've seen all the tabloid conversations about different pastors and different things. And so let me give you my two cents. I think and pastoral care. I mentor a lot of younger believers. And right now I notice that they are far more influenced off of the social majority, social media, cloud culture than they are from a consistent community of believers that are integrated in their lives. As long as they show up on Sunday to the Sunday situation amongst 2000 other people, it appears like they're good. Right. And unfortunately, like today's modern church, it follows the structure of an American business institution more than it is like a community that is shepherded by leaders and sharpened by a community. The, 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 the focal point is like this great day of presentation of oratory speeches, musical production. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it's usually just that and not this consistent community of people who are walking through life together. So I don't have anything against the megachurch. I just think it presents some crazy challenges because oftentimes when you're trying to build a business, the end goal is capital growth. When you're trying to build a church and spiritual growth, just my two. Hmm. Lecrae. Well, Trust there. Clearly, you can see me in the comments and my clapping hands because I think there were some really incredible points there. And to your point, we both saw it separately and I sent it to you and you're like, oh my God, I saw this and I saved it. So would love to hear your thoughts first because we know I can go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's Lecrae to give uh, credit to where it's due. That was Lecrae. You should go follow him on Instagram. I really, I love his music, but honestly, I love the way that he talks about the Lord. I think he's a super awesome, wise guy. And yeah, I, sorry, I feel scattered to be honest. Like I told T. I have my blanket. This is like my cozy blanket that I love and it chills me out because this is a hard topic for me to talk about because I have been in ministry for a really long time and I have also been a part of churches for a really long time and I have seen exactly what he's talking about and I've also been really hurt by what he's talking about, specifically churches turning into businesses instead of turning into the body of Christ and what it was intended to be, which is to make disciples for people to know the truth of who Jesus really is. And for me, he's specifically talking about, well, he was saying it was inspired by the Hillsong documentary and and we'll get into that. We'll talk a little bit about Hillsong documentary in a minute. But I think for me, hearing him say that, he put words to like what has been stirring in my heart for a really long time. And that is me feeling like I just want to strip it all down and go back to the basics of it's Jesus and it's us and he is holy and we are worshiping him and we are sharing our lives with one another and we are breaking bread to one another. It's everything Acts 2 talks about. And yet I'm drawn to these churches that honestly, I think start out with that intention that they start out with good intent. The intent is to make disciples. The intent is for people to know the truth of who Jesus really is. This living God who is 
active, not passive in our lives. And, and yet things start to grow and progress. And I understand you put some kind of business prep principles into it of making sure that things go the way they're supposed to go. But when it starts to grow in the way that business grows, instead of growing in the way that Jesus grew things, and that was in growing in disciples, that starts to run me the wrong way. And it starts to make me feel anxious because I spent a lot of my life telling high school students about Jesus. And I remember the pull of wanting to have the next greatest thing or the next like most flashy thing in in order to draw them in and having to look over budgets and having to look over or have the best speaker come in. And I remember getting pulled into that world. And I remember being like, man, at the end of it, I could honestly say at the end of my career or career, at the end of my time working for Young Life, I would say I am convinced that what high school students and college age students, but I would say humanity, I would say people long for the most is connection. It's community. It's tell me the truth. And yet we've catered this gospel and we've catered this system that we call the church that's turned into this celebrity-based hierarchy that honestly has become really oppressive and I've been caught up in the oppression of it. So it is, that was really good to hear, but it's also really hard to hear because it's what I've lived. And then I'm going to pause right there and and get your reaction because I could keep going because the Hillsong stuff starts to come into it. So I'll pause there. What about you? Yes. I have the opposite experience of you. So I come from the business world, not the ministry world. And I guess this would be my first bout of really being in ministry, not to say I haven't served in churches or Bible studies, but this is my first public kind of platform to really proclaim the gospel on a broader scale. And I so easily empathize with how church can become a business. I understand it. The Great Commission, literally in Matthew 28 says, Go out and make disciples of all nations. For the faith to remain alive, we got to bring more and more people in. That is the goal. That is the growth metric. That is the success metric is, are you leading more people to Christ is what it feels like. And so it becomes a quantity metric over a quality metric oftentimes. And in order to make disciples of all nations, Maybe back in the day, it was like, hey, we're going to hop from Colossia to Philippi to Ephesia. Hey, we're going to go to these places and it's going to be cool. We're going to be on foot. We're going to go spread this gospel. We're not competing with a ton. I don't know. I guess they were competing with a ton because there was a whole bunch of other stuff happening at the time. But in today's culture, Christianity is not cool. In fact, Christianity is countercultural to what the world is telling us is cool. And we're competing with so many different things that are begging for our attention as humans right now, from social media to to media consumption, period, TV. Right now, people have more access to us than ever before. They have more access to our children than ever before. All these voices are inside of our homes. 
this isn't even a safe place anymore. And we're called to go make disciples, but now we got to compete with all of these things to be the louder voice, right? And so a little bit is how are we going to do it? And I think a lot of people have adopted, if you can't beat them, join them. Okay, we can't beat social media. So we got to get on social media. Let's be viral on TikTok. Let's be of the culture. Let's be trendy. Let's meet people where they're at. And therefore, I can see how sometimes you can get lost in the sauce. I also think that we live in a culture where people need to constantly be stimulated or something needs to be influential. And when I say influential, I don't mean like truly impactful. It needs to be endorsed by influencers or the cool kid or the people that we actually want to follow because we aren't following Christ. We are following people. We are following celebrities. We are. And so therefore, now you're seeing these pastors, in order to get people in the doors, have to keep up with this celebrity or this influencer culture. And guess what? Trying to keep up there is going to allow our spirits to be corrupted. I can see it. I am nervous of us even doing this platform. We are doing a podcast. We are going where the people are, where the people are listening. We're not building a traditional church building. We're not gathering in houses right now. We have in the past. And yes, we will. And we do. Yeah. But at this moment, we are doing a podcast, which is of the culture. It's where people are being reached. It's where people are communing. And I could easily see we get an episode to go viral now all of a sudden the growth is fast our metrics are right oh we're reaching all of these people and then it becomes okay how do we get more listeners how do we get more followers and then in order to upkeep that and to serve those people at some point you need the resources and then the resources start coming in and once the resources come in now you're playing with people's money that's a different thing. I understand why God said you cannot serve two masters. You can't serve God and money because when money starts to be the reason why you're making specific decisions or you're able to do things or you're able to draw all these people in, it's very easy for us to take the place of God. The other thing is for the people coming in, oftentimes they might not be coming in for God. They might be coming in for the pastor or the preacher or the person speaking because they feel like that person is saying a message that they resonate with in a way that they understand or in a way that they think is cool or in a way that they may have never seen it before. And so where something could be started with incredible intentions that are godly focused, going and making disciples of all nations, I understand how and why it can become perverted or corrupted or whatever, because to do it in this day and age, it feels like you have to go along the current of culture in order to get people to come follow because it's not the sexy thing. But by going with the culture, we go against God because Christianity is countercultural. We're, we're being asked to do things that are not of the world. And as a businesswoman, I understand it, right? We're sitting here figuring out how are we going to post on social? What things are we going to share that are going to gain people's attention to come to this? Yes, of course, we're praying, God, let this fall on the ears 
of people that need to hear this message that we want to bring into this community, that we want to do life with, that we want to serve. We're praying that God would use us as vessels. We're praying that we would only be merely mouthpieces and that there would be less of us and the Holy Spirit would move through us. Our intentions are absolutely pure in heart and absolutely in line with what we feel like God has called us to do. But as soon as we take our gaze off of God, as soon as it starts to become about how many followers we have on social media, how many listeners we have, is this generating revenue? Is this sustaining our lives? Because I'm also pastors for trying to get paid. They also have to live. I don't believe in a poverty gospel. I think that pastors should make a living wage. They are serving people. They are doing God's work. And I do believe God is a provider. But as soon as it becomes more about that than it does about what the original objective is, then it all goes to hell. Yeah. No pun intended. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that is what has caused pause in us in the last few weeks, but especially since we felt like we were supposed to create this community that is communion, is we never wanted it to go beyond the purpose and the vision that we believe God gave us and why we're doing it. The why, we always want to stay the same. The what and how it happens, that can always change. And I think that to me is what I've seen happen. Because you asked me the other day, Titi and I were just catching up, working on communion stuff. And she asked me a question about church. She said, what has been, what did, what did you ask me? You asked me a question like what? I asked you, have you ever been to a church that got it right? And if so, what did they get right? And then for the churches that you might have walked away from, what have been the things that have caused you to walk away? Yeah. When you asked me that question, it was a really great question. And to be clear, I was venting about situations that are just going on that I see happening in church, churches that I've been involved in. But when you asked me the question, I had said, it's not that any of the churches I've been a part of that maybe I'm no longer a part of intended for that to happen. I don't think anyone's intention, and maybe there are churches out there that have this intention, but I would hope not, that a church sets out and intends to say, we want to really hurt people. We're hoping that we can say things that will really just make sure that people fall in line to this way of what we believe they should live. And if they don't, we're going to scare them with a rhetoric. I don't think that's the intent of the churches I've been to and I can at least speak for I don't think that they set out and say, okay, let's start a church so that we can be really rich and really popular. Because let me tell you, going into ministry wasn't going to get you there anyway. So they're disillusioned if that's why they set out to do it. But I think what I've seen happens is it's a slow drip. It's they set out with great heart, great intention, but because they're not trekking, am I still living out what God's called me to do? Do I still remember the why and am I still living out the why of why I do something and those things start to slowly drip slowly change slowly become something different and then we're all shocked and surprised when some of those churches things blow up controversy happens and we're all of a sudden surprised and everyone's disgruntled but if you look at the root of it, it was honestly, they had forgotten their first love. They had forgotten why they jumped in and started this in the first place. And I can have empathy for that because even as an individual who's been a, 
a part of a very large Christian organization and preached the gospel to lots and lots of high school, middle school, and, and college age students in my life. I also know that there were moments I forgot my why. And when I forgot my why, it didn't mean I wasn't flying high. It didn't mean that people weren't asking me to come be a speaker or weren't asking me to come and be up front. But I knew it. I knew it in my own heart and in my own spirit. You're forgetting the why. You're chasing after the what. You're chasing after the carrot. Keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes on me, Erin. So I've been there and I can get it. And so these people and specifically the Hillsong situation that with Carl Lentz and then with Brian Houston going on in Australia, those are being broadcasted. Those are being publicly talked about. But what about what's going on in our own hearts at home that will never make it on a TV and how, and that's what allows you to have empathy. Now, I want to say that's what allows us to have empathy. I am not saying that's what allows me to justify the things that have happened. There is not justification for it. I won't ever sit here and justify it. I won't even sit here and say, it's okay. It's quite honestly pissed me off because you have a mantle of leadership. When you choose to step into roles like that, you also understand that a lot of people are looking to you. What is your job as the leader, as the pastor, as a minister? To keep pointing people back to God. But it feels good when people are looking to you and it feels good when people are giving you the attention and you have a responsibility of leading them. And when you shepherd wrong, that that's a big deal. That's a really big deal. And the fallout is really great. And there's a lot of fallout. And just to switch a little bit into the Hillsong documentary, it's a little complicated for me because there's a lot of degrees of connection that I have to Hillsong. And I think watching the brokenness and the deep, deep pain of these people that are on this documentary that went there and that were congregants at Hillsong and their campuses all over and the ways that they were treated. It it hurt me on such a deep level. One, because I can identify with them in some ways, not because not because of Hillsong Church, but just my church experience in general. But two, it deeply hurt me because I thought that could have been me. Meaning I could have been that leader that led those people to feel that way. And that woke me up of the whole bunch. E, I, I get it. I do. We talked about this the other day. We were even talking about our Enneagram personalities and how our Enneagram personalities could easily eat up the attention. Walking in Christianity, serving in ministry is often a very humbling job. It requires you to die to yourself constantly. But then you start getting a little attention, a little fame. You feel like you're doing something right. You feel like, oh my God, all these people are coming to church. I must be doing my job. And then it's, oh, I'm wrapped up in it. I talk about this analogy sometimes. How do you boil a frog? You put a frog in a pot of boiling water, it'll hop right out. But you put a frog in a pot of water and then you slowly turn up the heat. Slowly, boom, you can boil a frog. It is very easy to understand how over time... You don't realize you're in this boiling pot of water. And also, let us not forget with mega churches and the church growing, sometimes that growth happens overnight. It happens almost too fast to even keep up with. And so now you're trying to 
scratch and claw for the resources because the goal is not just to bring people into the church. The goal is to keep people in the church. But in order to keep them, you gotta have the resources to sustain them. If I have a small church building that seats 50 people and all of a sudden our service grows to 100 and then to 400, I don't even feel right having a one service that serves 50 people. Now I probably gotta go to multiple services or I gotta look for and hope that we make enough money to get a bigger building to serve these people, right? And there's these competing priorities that are purely intention in serving the same goal is to serve people, to make disciples, to grow the church. But in order to do, there are resources needed. And when that growth happens exponentially and it happens so fast, I understand how people can become confused as to what is the focus. Is the focus to continue to worry about how our Bible studies are going and am I studying my word and am I making time? As a pastor, we they have what, seven days between, or six days, if you will, between each service, right? And in those days, yes, they need to be preparing a sermon. They need to be submitted to God and spending time with God in themselves. But there are other things. Leading a community, running a community, let's not even take into account that they have families that they're responsible to and for as well. And then as the church grows, the more people need things from the church, the more resources are needed from the church, the more the attention from the pastor is. And then all of a sudden, this leader is looked at to make the decision. Hey, what are we going to do? How are we going to allocate this tithe money? Because we need to make a church fund for a new building or hey, are we going to extend to more services? Can we sustain with the volunteers that are going to serve in multiple services? Right now, we're only asking for two hours of people's time on a Sunday. If we go to another service, now that's four, that's five. We start to extend this. And there are these things that, to your point, are pure intention. But that rapid growth is hard. Where I think it becomes a challenge, though, is when it comes at the expense of the pastor spending that time with God themselves. Like you and I have to spend time with God ourselves. But I understand. I can see how this morning I had to wake up super early in order to spend time with God so that I could wash my hair and put a little makeup on so I look decent for this podcast before I got my kids ready to get them off to school so I have a quiet house so I can record. That requires me to get up at the butt crack of dawn in order to do so. That Let's not talk about what last night looked like trying to get my kids down for bed or if my baby wakes up in the middle of the night because she's teething or needs to nurse. I can understand. I can empathize so deeply. But to your point, not to justify it. And what made me the saddest I'm not all the way through the documentary. Again, family, time, just not a lot of it. And so I'm walking through it slowly. But what made me the saddest is that the pure intention happened. The growth was happening. They were reaching people that may have never experienced God before. And these people are coming in and they are experiencing. And I can't lie that listening to Hillsong Worship on repeat because they got some bangers. Like, you can't help but to put your hands in the air 
and say, what a beautiful name it is. It's what I've been sitting here with the Hillsong Worship God. Like how good this music is. And you get somebody to come in and experience worship like that. Like they never have before. Or meet people that are trying to get it right. Or trying to find answers. Or trying to find their purpose. Or making an attempt. Only for the that church to fall. Mm-hmm. And I think the hardest thing about that, I was listening to the numbers they were talking about. Sometimes 150,000 people minimum served every single Sunday. And then that church collapses. The hardest thing the most irreparable thing that could happen in a relationship is that trust is lost or broken. And now there are 150,000 people, if they all walked away, or that are now searching for truth, that are now skeptical, that are now questioning everything they knew, everything they heard, that now will struggle to trust another leader, to trust another institution, And also, who knows if all of those people were even led to God, not to a pastor, not to an organization, but to God. So they know how to seek God on their own. And so now you have all of these people walking around, not sure about Christianity. And it seems like it could be attributed to one person. But it is not. It's not one person. And I also can understand how our human, our flesh, can get caught up in that. What started with a good heart, what started with a pure intention, was corrupted or perverted along the way slowly, slow trickle, slowly turning up the heat yeah. to the point where the frog boiled. Yeah. And now here we are with the debris. Yeah, and the aftermath of that is painful. There's a lot of people in the lives of people at Hillsong who know Carl Lentz or who know Brian Houston personally and they're watching their names get drugged through their mud and they're hurting and they're in pain because they're going, but I know them at their core. And that's a beautiful thing to know someone at their core of who they really are. But there's a lot of people who are really hurt by, once again, not a person, but by a system, by an organization that was intended to be the body of Christ, but sometimes can sway to something it was never intended to be. And the aftermath of it is painful. And that's where I have found myself, what was it, almost three years ago. And I can tell you honestly, like the reason we can say all these reasons of why it didn't happen, but I think the Lord had to do some healing in my own life because I would have come on this podcast just spewing, honestly, because I was angry. I was angry at the church, the large church, the big C church of the way that I had been treated within Christian organizations, within churches, 
and I was hurting from it. And I feel like God has brought so much healing. But the thing that was different for me is that I knew in my heart who Jesus really is. And that's what keeps, that's the miracle of it is because I know who Jesus is, I can get mad at all of this stuff. But the anchor will always be I believing who Jesus is and it draws me back in. Now, granted, I'm curious. I I told you this a couple of weeks ago. I feel like I'm seen sometimes by people who've known me over the years and maybe disagree with some of my perspectives as like some kind of rebel because I'm willing to say, I don't know that I believe that anymore. And not be afraid of being able to see that because I feel like God's given me this beautiful gift of curiosity and being able to wrestle with things. And if I'm going to believe something, to really believe it as truth instead of just believe it because someone's telling me that's what I should believe. And by and large, sometimes those things have become misinterpretations rather than actually what God's asked of me. And so all of that to say watching that documentary and even what Lecrae said, it's really stirred up some stuff in me and has made it really hard for me to want to go to church, if I'm being honest. And probably people from the church I go to are listening to this podcast, but it's more about the way that churches, people, not church, but the way that people can behave so badly. And when I feel triggered by something because of my past and because of stuff that happened, I would rather remove myself from that situation for a minute, put myself in a little bit of a timeout, take some deep breaths, seek to get some clarity, then just stay in something and get better and grow better. Because that's not a place I ever want to come from. I want to come from a place that I actually like, I'm working on me so that I can see clearly the things around me. And I see the hierarchies in churches. I see it I see the popularity contest. I see the, everyone wants to be on a worship team. I love to lead worship. Like I love to lead worship because I, I love to worship myself. But truly there's a reason that I have chosen not to lead worship at the church that I go to. I have made the decision not to pursue that because for me, I don't want to put myself in a position where people think, oh, now she's arrived. I want to do it because I believe God's asked me to do it. And because I don't believe God asked me to do it, I didn't say yes. Even though different people would ask me like, hey, do you want to lead worship or you should lead worship? And I would just go, oh, yeah. but if God doesn't ask me to do something, I'm not going to do it. Because if I did that, then I would get pulled into some kind of celebrity. You know what I'm trying to say? Some kind of like higher. Yeah, that I'm not willing to be a part of. I've been there, done that a long time ago in my life. I've spent the last 10 years really trying to break free in those areas of my life. And I've had a ton of victory in it. So I am not going back. I'm not going back. Has God asked me to lead worship at different times of life? Yes. Can I wait for the day that I... But do I need to do that in a corporate setting with a church? No. I lead worship at my house every single day, meaning I'm worshiping every single day. I love to sing. It is the way I connect with the Lord. I'm in the middle of the ocean, just belting out, sing it. Me too. Yes, you too. But it's not something that I feel like I need to be put on a pedestal to do unless the Lord asks me to do it. And that would only come from a place of wanting to serve, not from a place of, of false motivation. And that's another thing that I have seen. I've seen it in the music world. I used to work in the music industry. So I've seen it in the music world 
I would work with artists who, honestly, they became Christian artists because the Christian music industry was the easiest way for them to get a record deal. I said it. That's what was going on. And I worked with artists where I know that was what was going on. Their love for God was not what drove them to be an artist. Their love for becoming famous is what drove that. And so it's the same thing, same in the church is when our motives and our, and our purpose alts is we're not having the discernment and listening to the Holy Spirit when God's saying, hey, that voice is saying, hey, don't get ahead of yourself. If we're not listening to that, this easily happens. But I'm mad. So I just want to say that too. My counselor would always say anger is a secondary emotion. So I know that my anger comes more from sadness and that anger is coming from I don't want people to keep thinking this is who Jesus is. I don't want people to continue thinking that Jesus is this manipulative, oppressive, fear-inducing bigot. Yeah. Yeah, fear-inducing bigot. And, and so honestly, my rage comes from the fact of like, how dare you continue to do this? People are walking away. And honestly, I would argue they're walking away from who he never was. So good on them for walking away from that. But now I want how they get drawn back in to know, no, but let me tell you who he really is, who God really is. And I think, what I was going to say, I think that this is why the Christian walk requires two things. Fix your gaze. We have to know where our gaze is. As yeah. soon as as we alter where we're looking mm-hmm. anywhere else but God, it becomes yeah. about us, one. Secondly, I understand why the Bible says, pick up your cross daily. And for me, it's not picking it up daily. It's picking it up by the moment, not even the minute sometimes. One comment in a conversation can send me spiral. One off interaction where I felt like somebody looked at me funny. One getting cut off on the highway like behind organ drivers. Y'all don't know about organ drivers? I'm telling you about organ drivers. It can send me to a place that doesn't have my gaze fixed. And so I understand why it requires us to fix our gaze and to pick up our crosses by the moment. Because our flesh is warring against our spirit. Yeah. Yeah. It's begged to walk in a way that's not pleasing to God. Walking in a way that's pleasing to God can only be done if we fix our eyes on God. Because it is humbling. It is counter to what we naturally and instinctively want to do we are creatures of survival which means be on the defense always defend yourself protect yourself make sure you're safe yourself do it yourself that is not what god calls us to do we're not meant to be our own heroes or our own saviors we don't know that's why we have a savior but it requires us to die daily, die momentarily or by, by the moment, not just momentarily, but moment after moment. And it's not an easy walk. 
And that is where I do believe. And I love what LaCrae said. They can't be businesses. They should be communities. Yes. The church should be a community. We call this communion because we want people to come in union. That is the essence of communities. Come together. Let's break bread. Let's have hard conversations. Let's heal. Let's seek God. Let's go to the word. Let's pray. Let's uplift one another. Let's encourage one another. Let's correct and encourage, correct and rebuke one another when we need to. That is the beauty of community. And that is what we're trying to build. And that is what I truly believe God intended. And no, I don't think it's about a pastor. No, I don't think it's about an organization. I don't think it's about a system. But I have not lost hope in church. Maybe the organization or the building, but I have not lost hope in the church. There is something powerful to me when I step in those doors and people that actually can sing are worshiping and I'm there belting it out amongst other people that have a worship in their heart that are tear-stained faces because they're either believing God to do something or God has done something in their life and they can't help but to praise him. There's something powerful about that to me. And I have not lost hope, but I think I walk in now with a different expectation. I look at the pastor as human and not God. You talk about community and the root of communion and why we're doing what we're doing to build a community where we could find unity with one another, even if we don't agree. That's a whole nother podcast episode because I think what you're describing sounds beautiful, but what happens when, if people are broken, if we're not looking at like pastors to be perfect, which I think is a great idea for us not to, I think also that, that, that we have to, disclaims, but they have a mantle of leadership. So they should not be like, sure. Yes. Can I just but, walk there for one second though? Because I do believe, and I, I really want to say this out loud. I do believe that pastors have a mantle of leadership. When you assume that platform, you assume that pedestal, you are deemed a leader. I do believe that should be handled with care and intention, but not perfection. Authenticity, transparency, all of those things, seeking progress, 1000%, not perfection. However, it's important to pray for our pastors. Yeah. We have to do a better job of covering our leaders. And then when they make a human mistake, maybe whoever the powers that be are, remove them from the platform. That does not mean they should be removed from the church. That does not mean they should be ostracized. That does not mean they should be slandered in the media. That does not, that when that pastor or that leader falls, if that pastor or that leader falls, that is when they need the church the most. That is when they need to be prayed for the most. That is when they need compassion the most. That is when they need somebody to say, I will walk with you through this. We cannot just love pastors when they're doing what we think they should be doing. 
and then hate the human when they make a mistake. Do you know how heavy that is? You have to go out and you're responsible for preaching the gospel to people every single weekend. It doesn't leave a lot of room for you to question your own beliefs, to question God, to be angry at God, to experience things and not, and because you have to present a certain way. You have to look like you have it all together or you know what you're talking about because everybody's here to hear you. And look at those Hillsong leaders that went through that and who were indoctrinated in this Hillsong way or who have been taught by these leaders. And Can you imagine the hurt that they're feeling Seeing the people who taught them or drew them to Christ or walked with them on their journey, taught them how to study their Bible, to pray, whatever, who they thought were doing it right to then watch them fall. And they still got to go out every Sunday and lead a congregation of hurting people at that when they're nursing their own wounds. Yeah. That's hard. That's hard. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, accountability for sure, 1000%. But there has to be some level of support as well from the church to those leaders. Mm -hmm. Yeah, agreed. That's because the church is a hospital, not a shopping mall. I don't think I've ever said a shopping mall before. That's a funny one though. Like you pick and choose what you really want to like in a church. I copyright that. No, but it's it's true. I want to be able to walk into my church. And if that church is saying, welcome home, this is supposed to be like home. How do I act at home? I'm not like, that's a safe place for me to figure out and to wrestle with stuff and to have hard conversations and to be, to be frustrated or to be sad or to be lonely or to feel the th- ways I feel. And also to have a community, a family that is building me back up again, that is reminding me of who I am. And that that's what I have on my heart. That's my struggle with church right now, is that I struggle walking into places and feeling like I'm genuinely wanted there. That if I disagree theologically, maybe with something that someone thinks, the, the fact that I'm still there and I'm not there to picket them, I'm not there to yell at them or to get an argue with them. I'm there because they're my family and I love them and we can agree to disagree, but we love the same God. And yet that's not equally how I'm treated. And I'm treated as where it's uncomfortable that she's here. That's what becomes hard about being a part of a church. And if I'm feeling that as a person who just goes to a church, I can't imagine that illustrates what people have expectations of pastors and leaders as. Now, once again, leadership, though, is a deal. Like, I think if Lecrae didn't say this, maybe it was in the comment section because you and I love to read the comment section um, of that post. Yeah, that Francis Chan one. Uh, about the way that we build. Oh, Francis Chan said that many people mistake their gift of entrepreneurship for pastoral leadership. And instead of thinking of the church of God's people, they think of the church as a business to grow. Where the gift of entrepreneurship can be greatly used in the business workplace, 
but instead is gained more popularity with the church due to charismatic speaking talents. Yes. That is it. That we sometimes we act surprised, but there are people that jump into being a pastor because they have a gifting of leadership and that gives you a leadership they could use in the business world for Jesus. You don't have to be a pastor to do that. But I would say that the call to be a pastor is very different than the call to be a business leader. They are different. They are. And it frustrates me when you have a person who comes in. Honestly, there are a lot of things that the way that Carl lives, for instance, and I'm not trying to pick on him. I actually have a ton of empathy for him. Yeah, I'll rip him on our show one day. That is Me like too. one of my top guests. I know. Me too. You know, I have lots of questions for him, sure, but not in a condescending way. Warren, I'll tell me your story and when the world happened. Because that doesn't just happen overnight. You don't just wake up one day and decide, I'm going to cheat on my wife. That's not how we're wired. And so something happens in people's lives. But I digress. I get off on that tangent. But to take Carlin's for an example, he should be running a business, though. You can love Jesus around business. He was a phenomenal business leader. He and knows how to run a company. And also, he could help other pastors now. Yeah. What does I think he's doing? Let me show you what happened to me. And let me walk with you so that it doesn't happen to you. 100%. But that's what I'm trying to say is like the path. So to go back to the question that you asked me the other day, when you said, what have you seen in church that gets it right? You know what I see? It's not just the pastor. It's the community. It's the people who are there. But it's like the most humble, low profile pastors and leaders that I have seen got it right and are continuing to get it right and so for example the church i go to used to be a part of the hillsong family and i can say that the pastors of the church that i go to are seeking to be humble they are all types of connected in that world and yet they're seeking to be humble because they truly want that and i'm, I'm sure they're grieving as well but it's hard when you also have cultures that you're trying to break like you're trying to break a culture that expects things to be more of a celebrity culture and you have this like task to not only lead a church but to lead it against what people's expectations of you to lead it are and that's really hard too so i i get that but pastors and people in ministry and leaders in ministry should not be making pennies that should not be the case my gosh Equity is a thing. Let's talk about that in ministry, not just in the business world. But I also think that when you are stepping into ministry, if God has called you into ministry, you have to know this is not going to be a time for you to get famous. This will be a time. This is God calling you to a life of humility. That is it. And we about that with this, right? If we get two followers, and this was a question we asked ourselves early on. Only two people will listen to this, our husbands, let's call it. And maybe not even the whole episode. We'll be lucky if they do. Our best friends probably listen to it. Okay, so maybe we'll get four. Four. If that is the case, would we keep going? Yeah. And that determines the heart of it. Would we be answering us? What was that? 
I said, and our answer is yes, we would keep going. Yeah. It's like, would we be discouraged? Would we think it's not working? Would it fail? I don't, I don't know that I would say that if it's touching the lives of two. Jesus only let 12 walk really closely to him. I do understand though, your husband has a platform. John has a platform called When Where It's Worthy and he sends out these newsletters weekly. And the question two weeks ago in his newsletter was, how will you know if it's not working? That's what you asked. I asked, how do you know if it's not working? This entrepreneur journey that you're on, how will you know? And there are measurables, right? But for us, I think we're just going to keep being obedient and turning the mic on. And if two people listen, but are gleaning something from it, or if God is reaching those two people through what we said that day, then okay. Until he tells us to turn the mic off, then we'll assume it's working. Yeah. Assume it's working. I know we've gone long and we could probably go on and on about this topic because it's something near and dear to our hearts. And I'm sure we will in the future. But for today, I think we put a lot out there. We've said a lot. We've addressed a lot about hurts in the church, people's experiences in the church, the current state of affairs of the church, this public spectacle of this documentary releasing looking at businesses and stuff. And so to our listeners, we'd love to hear your thoughts, your experiences, your questions that you're still seeking. What are you looking for in community? What are you looking for in the church? What is your expectation of the church? How have you found God on your own to walk authentically with God and not be reliant on the church or that what I call game of telephone where somebody else is listening to God and then translating it to you. To our community, we want to know. What does that look yeah. like for you? Yeah. So we don't have yeah. answers and we're still trying to find them for ourselves. That's what this is for. But we want to do it alongside you. And so we'd love to hear from you. We love you guys. Sounds good. Let the reconciliation continue. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. See you next time. All right. Thanks so much for listening today. Want to stay up to date with our episodes? Then subscribe to our podcast and newsletter on our website, come-union.com. Follow us on Instagram at come.union. Rather watch our podcast? Then subscribe to our YouTube channel, at come underscore union. We are so glad you're a part of this community.